0: Jesus, as we, uh, as a spiritual family, just find ourselves in the midst of a transition, it's good to know that you're a God who weeps. Um, it's good to know that in the midst of just what we're, the story that, uh, at this moment of this story that we're in together as a spiritual family, that there's compassion that moves toward us. Oh Lord, I, I just pray that the compassion um, that is moving toward us would just be evident in the words that, Uh, we have to share this morning so you're still working Holy Spirit and we just remain submissive to that in Jesus name Amen go ahead and have a seat We're gonna be in the Gospel of John today, starting in John 13. We're in a little teaching series here on transitions, and really did appreciate like the ref, that y'all reflected back to us. You know, hey, um, last week's talk was really helpful. Um, Uh, as we kind of talked about biblical models of transitions and how we can align our expectations with what the scriptures have to say. Paul in, I think, either 1 Corinthians 4 or 2 Corinthians 4 uh, starts to define his ministry as a spiritual parent. And so he says, I became your father when I preached the gospel to you. Okay. And so a lot of last week's talk, this week's talk, next week's talk is uh, me spiritually parenting you. Um, And that's a confusing kind of thing to think about if we look at a biological timeline, right? Uh, Because I could be your child or your grandchild. um, But uh, when I preached the gospel to you, I became your spiritual father. And Steph became your spiritual mother. And so uh, we have been talking a lot in our house about how do we train you to engage in the season well. That's the spirit that these talks are kind of coming from. So less a a sermon of my usual kind and more of a a parenting. And and here's our approach to parenting. Um, I want to train you like you won't have me tomorrow. And I've always sought to do that. It's why, by the way, I introduce myself every Sunday. Hi, I'm Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here, right? because I'm trying to train you for me not to be the only anchoring person in your life. And I'm glad to be, but I'm trying to expand that. I wanna train you like you won't have me tomorrow. I wanna love you like I'm not gonna have you tomorrow. That's what parenting is, that's what spiritual parenting is. And so we're trying to train and to love as we kind of near the end of the runway here. And I was thinking a lot about um, transition And the reality is like a lot of our life is transition. I mean, really, um, broadly speaking, our our lives aren't like these points, right? It's just these overlapping Venn diagrams of certain seasons coming to an end and other seasons beginning and some transitions, like they're marked by a going away party. Uh, So thank you for throwing that for us yesterday. They're marked by a graduation, a commencement. They're marked by an event. But a lot of the transitions in our life are just kind of happening real time to us. It could be grief, it could be a death, it could be a move, it could be retirement, it could be illness, it could be a new relationship. How do we think about all of our life's transitions, including the transition that we're experiencing right now as a spiritual family? Like, what is the lens that we look at those through? The lens I want to look at those, I think the lens that helps us see that is this little passage of Scripture, these four chapters in the Gospel of John, 13, 14, 15, 16. It's called the Upper Room Discourse. The Upper Room Discourse. Why is it called the Upper Room Discourse? It takes, it, these are things that Jesus taught his disciples while they were in the Upper Room together. Okay? So this is Maundy Thursday. This is the day before Jesus dies. This is at the cusp of a big transition in Jesus's life and the life of his disciples. They have a meal together. We notice the Lord's Supper. And as that meal is happening and in the wake of it, there's this discussion that Jesus has with the disciples about the transition they're about to experience. Now, a key theme, by the way, in this upper room discourse is is that Jesus is leaving... And returning to the Father, but he says, I'm going to send you another. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. We're not taking quite that angle this morning as much as we're looking at what are the things that Jesus has to say about transition. And the thing that Jesus speaks about over and over again in these passages is connection. Connection. In fact, in these four chapters, there are like three kinds of connection that Jesus calls us to in transition. And Because life is like always transition all the time, it would probably be wise to abide by this at all times. But in, in a very pointed and noticeable shift in our lives, these things become even more real, okay? And so I want to look at these three transitions um, uh, that he shares with his disciples, who, by the way, in this passage he calls his dear children, His dear children is how he addresses them. So let's look at John 13, starting in verse 33. He says, Dear children, I will only be with you a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as i have loved you you should love each other your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples In john 13 jesus offers this new command novum mandatum is how it is in the latin translation mandatum is commandment that's why it's called mondi thursday right commandment thursday And the commandment is this, love one another. Now that's not the new, right? What's new is love one another as I have loved you, right? What Jesus says, the first connection that we need in transition is the connection with each other. In transition, we have to stay connected to one another. It's vital that we stay connected to one another. Because what's interesting about what happens in the wake of this is when Jesus is arrested, uh, the disciples scatter. And in fact, at his crucifixion, only like John, I think, and maybe Peter, are there? Just John? I'm looking at the Bible scholars. The 5 teachers in the room are like, just John. Okay, just John. Um, The disciples scatter. So there's a very tangible thing there for them. But it's something they come back to. By the beginning of the book of Acts, when they're gathered in the upper room, 120, right? Love one another. But the first connection Jesus says is this connection with one another is what we need in transition. And we'll explore that a little bit more in a minute. There's another kind of connection that Jesus explores in this, and it's in John chapter 14. And and in John 14, the connection that Jesus explores is his own connection to the Father. It's really interesting. Jesus reminds his disciples in John 14 of his oneness with the Father. In John 14, it's, it's that passage, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If it were not so, what I've told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, I'm leaving you. And Thomas says, where are you going? And Jesus says, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, no, we don't, right? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But there's still this confusion in the room, Right? philip said lord show us the father and we'll be satisfied and and look at what happens in verse 9 of chapter 14 i think i think there may be a sigh here just a little bit jesus replied have i been with you all this time and you still don't know who i am anyone who has seen me has seen the father jesus says so why are you asking me to show you to him verse 10 don't you believe that i am in the father and the father is in me the words i speak are not my own but my father who lives in me does his work through me just believe that i am in the father and the father is in me or at least believe jesus says lowering the bar out of grace at least believe because of the work you've seen me do Jesus shares with the disciples his connection to the Father. And what he's doing is he's making something that he understands implicitly. He's making it explicit for the disciples. He's making this kind of unconscious understanding that he has very conscious for them, very clear for them. And, and here's the thing is that Jesus' rock-solid understanding of his identity and his oneness with the Father, it's what enables him to persevere everything that comes next, Right? But as Jesus explains to the disciples more of who he is, it's almost like he's telling us that it's in transition that we really need to be connected to Jesus. That it's in transition that it will be proven whether or not we really understand who Jesus is. It's in transition that we will understand whether, we will find whether or not we really know who Jesus is. I think that's why there's this sense of like, have I been with you all this time and you still don't know? I mean, isn't that the response I think sometimes of the Lord? when we're in the midst of a new transition and we're freaking out, don't you feel like the Lord just sometimes gently wants to say to you, have I been with you all this time and we're still panicking right now? Right? And he's very gracious and enters into that panic with us. But Jesus calls us to have a deep connection to him and a deep understanding of who he is. And the third, transi- the third connection that Jesus names, and there's another connection that he throws into the mix in John 16, And it's the Father's connection to us. So it's our connection with one another, our connection with Jesus, and then there's this Father's connection to us. In John 16, verse 27, he says, The Father himself loves you dearly. The Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. What Jesus isn't prescribing in the midst of transition is to, like, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and really remain connected to one another and connected to Jesus and to strive. What Jesus is indicating here is that underneath the waters of our connection to one another and our connection to Jesus is a deeper stirring, a deeper connection, the Father's connection to us. That as we're holding tightly to one another and as we're holding tightly to Jesus, somebody is in fact holding even more tightly to us. And Jesus brings these three connections with one another and with him and with the Father. He brings those together in John 15. Now we've already looked at this passage uh, in the last six months, but John 15 is one of those passages that I find myself returning to time and time again is one of those passages that feels essential to discipleship. Kind of like Psalm 1 or Colossians 3 or Psalm 23. These passages that are, or, or the Sermon on the Mount, these passages that somehow grab all of the things and put them together and and just listen to what Jesus does in John 15 starting in verse 1 I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener connection to the father he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruits they will produce even more this branch is being pruned away but in faith what do we know that he prunes the things that do bear fruit, so they bear even more. Verse three, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I gave you. Remain in me, abide in me, and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot remain fruitful unless you remain in me. Okay, so connection to the Father, connection to Jesus. See? I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can, do any, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and wither. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. You can ask for anything you want, and it will be granted, except for... Could Kyle and Steph please stay? I checked. I checked when you produce much fruit you are my true disciples this brings great glory to my father then he kind of continues on here ready I've loved you even as the father has loved me remain in my love when you obey in my commandments you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love I have told you these things that your joy would be full that your joy would overflow this is my commandment verse 12 love one another boom third transition Third connection in the transition. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In the midst of transition, in the midst of transition, we need to stay connected. It's vital that we stay connected to one another. It's vital that we stay connected to Jesus. The truth is we've already been going through a transition as a church. And uh, for the record, people smarter than me, uh, if it feels like this has been going on forever, it has. (laughs) Uh, People smarter than me, professors of mine from Bible college were like, six months is a really long time for your church to know that you're leaving. And I thought to myself, that's true. It's not too long for my family to know though. And uh, this also, by the way, isn't. I'm, I'm, I am not the headline of your life every day. I recognize that. That's really healthy. <laughs> okay. If I were the headline of your life every day, that would be a cult. That's what that would be. <laughs> and so there are a thousand transitions happening in the room this morning. Right? Kids are going off to college or, gradua- or graduating from college. Right? Health stuff is happening and life stuff is, is happening and. In all those transitions, it's, important, it's vital that we remain connected to Jesus. It's vital that we remain connected to Jesus, that we abide with him, that we spend time with him. Now, a friend of mine always says that there are um, three ways that we, stay, that we stay connected to Jesus. There's three ways that we worship. You might say there's three ways that we worship. Okay. We worship publicly in a setting like this. We worship personally, uh, you know, in a setting, in the decisions that we make with our lives. How we, when nobody's looking, what do we do? That's personal worship, and we worship privately, right? Jesus says, "Go into your prayer closet," and you know, it's those spiritual practices that we do. Um, and I've gotten into a lot of, I think, good trouble in my ten years of ministry but a lot of that good trouble came from people that weren't really worshiping privately and weren't really worshiping personally so when I messed with the public everybody freaked out right and the reason I mention this is if you're in this transition and you're not really somebody that's worshiping privately and you're not somebody uh, that's worshiping personally and your connection to God is public worship which is great God loves that this is going to be really hard for you because something in the public just changed pretty is about to change pretty significantly and so my challenge for you this morning is to not stop worshiping publicly but to press into worship pri- worshiping privately and personally to be reading the word to be praying Be out in nature, to be in silence and solitude, listening to Lectio 365. And uh, as I'm saying this, somebody in the room might be figuring out I don't know if I know how to relate to God privately. Right? I don't know if I know how to relate to God personally. I really only know how to relate to God publicly. I just wanna give you permission and to know that this is the place that we, it's okay to ask for help in that, right? It's okay for you to say in this transition to somebody, to say to somebody, I've realized, I actually don't really know how to connect to Jesus personally. I really struggle in that area. And you could ask anybody on the oversight team, you could ask anybody on the staff, you could ask anybody on the teaching team, you'd ask any of the leaders in our church and they'd be glad to lead you through. And it wouldn't just happen that those people are leaders in our church because they're doing that for themselves and they know how to lead other people through it, right? Right? It's almost like we evaluate anointing based on character, right? (laughs) As you might say um, stay connected to Jesus and in fact I, I, as I was writing that I thought goodness Lord I hope that basically all of my sermons could be boiled down to stay connected to Jesus I really hope that the sermons could be boiled down to stay connected to Jesus but we also want to stay connected to one another We also wanna stay connected to one another. We wanna love one another. The staff are evaluating whose child is screaming. They're all going back, we're gonna figure that out. Um, We wanna stay connected to one another. And can I just tell you, staying connected to one another only kind of happens in the minutes you're here before and after the gathering on Sundays. Now, I didn't say it doesn't happen. I said it only kinda happens, right? It only kinda happens in the way that maybe, like deceiving yourself to think trying the sample at Sam's Club is buying the thing that you sampled, right? It's a taste, it's not the whole thing. Staying connected to one another just is not something that can really happen before and after. It's a key part of it. So what is it? How do we stay connected to one another? Yeah, Steph's gonna help me with this part. What? I have extra things, but you go ahead. Oh, do I have extra? Okay, go ahead, start talking about that, okay.
1: Um, I, I couldn't
0: remember when we said you we were doing this, so.
1: <laughs> we're on the fly here. No, but um, I think one of the things I really wanna encourage you as you think about um, being family and loving one another in our absence is is healthy, loving conflict and healthy, loving encouragement. Mm. And I think um, sometimes it's easy to rely on other people to have the hard conversations in our lives when someone is is hurting our feelings or is annoying us or frustrating us. It's easy to kind of say, oh, I'll just pray about that and trust that someone else will have the conversation that needs to be had, right? (laughs) And I think in this season between us leaving and Dick and Ann coming, There's opportunity for for frustration with one another, for hurt feelings, for challenging conversations to come up and to even have a lack of clarity. And so I just, I wanna encourage you, um, I hope and pray that we have taught you well to, to be challenging in a loving and kind way. I hope and pray that we've taught you to, before we challenge, to ask the Father, is this a conversation I need to have or one I need to just overlook with love and let it go? Um, because that's, that's the difficulty, right? It's not every conversation doesn't need to be had, but some do. And so it's really that, asking the Father, what are you asking of me to do in this moment and in this, in this situation? Is this a moment where I overlook with love and choose to forgive and show grace and, and genuinely move on with a clear heart? Or is this a moment where I need to speak up and to say something and to, to challenge in a loving way and say, this is not okay, we're not okay, and I want us to be okay.
0: And and to add to overlooking, overlooking isn't, I chose not to have the conversation, but I still feel all spicy about it. That's called avoidance, my friend.
1: Or telling other people your spicy feelings. Or telling
0: other people your spicy feelings. That's avoidance. Overlooking is, I can just move on, right?
1: It's forgiving and letting
0: go. It's forgiving and letting go. The Proverbs Proverbs says, um, it's to a man's glory to overlook a sin. Yeah, so sorry go ahead. I was just thinking and I was
1: thinking love covers a multitude of sins like yeah. 1 Peter. So, I think just on um, that challenge that in our absence and in the absence of Dick and Anne to not let the enemy kind of have a playground with our relationships because it's easy in an absence of of kind of someone kind of steering and vision for things to get a little bit sticky and a little tricky and who's who's in charge and who's doing what and what's happening and the oversight team is here and they're leading and they're guiding um, but you may have things happening that they don't know about too. And so how do you kind of own and take responsibility for those things? And, and that's healthy family, right? Healthy family has conflict, but we do it with love and grace mm-hmm. and forgiveness. And that's how we stay connected to one another. And so I just wanted to kind of. Did you have
0: something end. about encouragement mm-hmm. too?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think one of the things that can happen, and, and I feel this so much for us right now, is in our busyness, right? We get very. Um,
0: Task driven. Yeah,
1: navel gazing and kind of just like, this is what's in front of me and I can't see that and so I think I would just encourage you this summer to be on the lookout for who needs encouragement and who needs even in your midst of your kind of maybe own things that are happening who around you needs to hear hey like I'm with you I'm for you I'm praying for you the Lord loves you Um, and so just that encouragement to kind of be on the lookout for people amongst our spiritual family who maybe are struggling things are going to happen while we're gone and before Dick and Anne get here, where people are going to need extra care, extra support, extra love, and again, the oversight team is here and they're present, but they can't know all those things. And so, you know, making sure that you're being aware of those as well.
0: Yeah, and I would even go so far as to say that the oversight team and staff and leaders don't owe it to you to do the things that they do. Um, and and so, I've never met a leader that ever quit because they were too encouraged. <laughs> right. I really haven't, and um, so it does not hurt to say thank you for taking care of that. Thank you for seeing that need. Thank you for checking in with me. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Because um, nobody ever, nobody. and and you know who, frankly, do you know who needs your encouragement is your new pastor. If you want to love us, love him by giving him lots of encouragement.
1: I think the gratitude piece is so important. We always say in our family, nobody wants to clean the toilets or do the dishes. So say thank you when they're done. Right. And so I think even around here, nobody necessarily wants to empty the trash. Nobody necessarily wants to always be back in the kids' rooms. Nobody, you know, there's things that are being done each week. And so just be actively seeking to say thank you and to show gratitude for those who are continuing to show up and serve and do all the things that they're doing.
0: So we wanna also think about some other ways that we stay connected. And and one is handling conflict well, right? Keeping the person more important than the problem. Remaining in a posture of being glad to be together. Gratitude, letting us know that we're glad to be together. A really great way to stay connected in transition is by practicing hospitality. Um, And you better believe I was gonna get that in under the wire one more time before I... um, And I was thinking about all of these passages where it talks about hospitality take play are, are written in the context of a transition. So Romans 12 Romans twelve says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them, always be eager to practice hospitality. The, the context of the book of Romans uh, is that uh, Jew, Jews were kicked out of Rome. A Gentile Christianity has erupted and is growing really fast. The laws have changed. Jewish Christians are coming back into the city and now we're feeling awkward right? And so in the midst of a transition in their community life, says Paul, practice, Paul says, practice hospitality. First Peter, practice hospitality without grumbling, okay? And that's in a transition of exile and suffering. And even in Acts 2, where it says they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, that's in the middle of a transition of a growing church, right? That's right after 3,000 people were added to their number that day, right? That was like there's a new person in the pew in the row next to me, maybe I should ask them over for dinner, right? So we wanna really encourage you to practice hospitality this summer, to have people in your home, to be spending time together. Um, We always tell you a few things about that.
1: Yeah, just a gentle reminder, we're not entertaining. We're we're showing hospitality. So we're not getting out the fine china and, and cooking the best meal ever, unless that is genuinely your joy and your gift, then do that. But if for you it's paper plates and pizza from Domino's, that's great. I also just wanna say a note, we have a lot of weird dietary stuff in our church, right? So it's like, we would love to have someone over, but they can't eat half of the world. So what do I feed them? I think there's a couple ways to handle that. One is to say, what's a restaurant that is safe for you to eat at? I would love to meet you there and have dinner with you. Or could we get takeout and go to a park if we have kids and let the kids play? Um, If you're up for a challenge, you know, like send me the list of stuff and I will send you the recipe and you can okay it and we'll talk back and forth and we'll make it work. Um, cause you know, Dick is coming, he has crazier food stuff than we do. So, you know, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Yeah. just did. Yeah. Um, but I think just to, to the, the goal is to be together and to eat food together. And so however you have to do that, if often we bring our own food so we know that we can have it. If that's what needs to happen, that's okay. It's not about the perfection of doing it just right. It's about the effort and of being together and and just spending time together. So just that encouragement to not let the summer pass you by. It gets busy, there's a lot happening, you're traveling, there's sports, there's camping, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Like make it a goal right now to, to meet with two other families or individuals this summer before the summer is over to say, let's have a meal together. And maybe even let it be someone that you don't know that well, that like you would just like to get to know a little better. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. A key way that we stay connected with one another is by praying for one another, right? It's by praying for one another. Paul says in Ephesians six, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Okay, praying alertly for all believers everywhere feels like a high bar. Let's just make it easier. Pray alertly for the people in this room, right? Be intentional about praying for your spiritual family. Uh, This is a, I wanna say this carefully. This is a spiritually vulnerable time for our church. The next six weeks or so is a spiritually vulnerable time for our church. We've got great elders and leadership here. But it's still a spiritually vulnerable time, and prayer for one and over, up uh, prayer for one another, and over the spiritual family is just vital in this time. I don't know if you have anything to add about that.
1: No, I think if you're someone who needs specifics, that's helpful to you to pray because sometimes it's hard just to pray for everyone all the time. Um, I think ask some people, you know, ask different people that you interact with, how can I be praying for you this week, and then do it. Yeah. Don't just ask, but then yeah. do it. And, and you know, a, a good
0: rule of, of thumb for prayer is um, when somebody comes up, you said, would you be praying about that? I typically pray with them right there because if, if I have ever told you, I would gladly be praying about that this week. To be honest, I may not have <laughs> um, because I'll have forgotten that conversation right there.
1: And I think something I learned from Randy that's just so helpful too is that when people um, ask for prayer, maybe over text, just text them back a prayer. You don't mm-hmm. have to like call them and speak it out loud, you know, especially for the millennials in the room who don't really want to talk on the phone, <laughs> just text a prayer back. That counts, too. Jesus reads texts. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. Jesus reads your texts. It's just a good Maybe. thing to be aware Maybe of. Maybe that's all just all a good seasons.
1: reminder. I don't know.
0: <laughs> just FYI. You know who you are. You <laughs> um, need to be of um, And then the last, the last way is that we just want to call you to watch over one another in love. That's a John Wesley line. Watch over one another in love. Um, that same verse, Ephesians 6, 18, in the message, it says, pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Listen to this. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Keep each other's spirits up that no one falls behind or drops out. There is a risk that you might be so distracted by our absence that you miss the absence of others. Right? Um, You might be so distracted by our absence that somebody drops out or falls behind. Um, And it's your job to watch over one another in love.
1: I think it's always been, this is just a good, good reminder that that is what is true. And for those of you who are overachievers in the room, we are not speaking to you that you need to be like counting everyone in this room every week and taking attendance and then making sure personally that everyone is in this room, right? That is that is not the so what of this. Um, the so what is who is the father bringing to your mind and and who is he asking you to pay attention to?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not the whole room is your responsibility, right?
0: Because right? some fivefold shepherd in the room is like, I will do it.
1: <laughs> not on my watch. That's what they're thinking.
0: Right, And uh, we're not calling you to strive, but that, so that's kind of one bumper. The other bumper is kind of the like busy fog of, oh, I keep meaning to reach out to that person and I keep forgetting, yeah. right? Where we want to figure out how to act on it. And so, I mean, um,
1: yeah. So one of the ways we have a, we have a practical tool, we've talked about this before, so this will not be new to many of you, but the way that we can do this is, um, the way starting, that we can
0: stay connected to Jesus and to one another. Yes, yeah. Is
1: by starting our mornings with the three questions. And those questions are, Father, what are we doing today? Father, who do I need to pay attention to today? And Father, what do I need to be reminded of today? And I think that in this season, this is so important because it, it helps you really focus in on, again, not the whole room, not the whole spiritual family, not all of the tasks and everything that need to be done, but what is he asking you to do today? I think that can be a very personal thing like in my life today what are you asking me to do what Mm -hmm. do i need to pay attention to for some of you summer is really busy so it's an opportunity to really funnel down and say okay this is what i'm going to do for others of you summer is no schedule like much more open-ended and it's like what am i even doing today
0: what day is it (laughs) yeah Yeah. like
1: what's happening in my life and so it's an opportunity to say father like what do you have for me to do today what is that you're asking of me and I think the second question is so important for that, staying connected, is who do I need to pay attention to today? And I think this is where the obedience comes in. It's not in tracking everyone in this room on a Sunday. It's on a Tuesday morning when someone crosses your mind and you think, oh, well, I'll get to that later, and I'm like the queen of this, I'm, I totally get this. And then it's 10 p.m. and I'm getting into bed and I'm thinking, "Ah oh, man, I didn't text. I didn't say, hey, how are you doing? Or I didn't send the Bible verse the Lord brought to mind? Or I didn't ask, how can I be praying for you today? And I think I want to just highlight that it's that simple. It's not, you don't have to call them on the phone. You don't have to stop by their house unless you feel like the Father's inviting you to do that. Then by all means, do that. But it can be as simple as a text how could I pray for you today?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, the Lord brought you to mind. Like, what's, are you, what's going on with you today? Or here's a Bible verse that came to mind. And again, no one has ever gotten mad at me for saying, I'm praying for you, sending them a Bible verse, or asking how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage those of you who are paralyzed by the thought of sending that text, can I just kindly and gently and lovingly say, get over yourself? <laughs> and send job. the text? Yeah because right? we can sit there and faff our way through it and be so concerned about how they're gonna perceive it that we don't do it and we miss out on the blessing in the end.
0: Yeah, and I would say two things on this is if you're somebody that's skeptical that God speaks to you personally, just start praying every day, who do I need to pay attention to today? And you will find out very quickly that and act on it and you will find out that God has been speaking to you. Um, and I, I actually, I didn't even know, but I was thinking a couple weeks ago, Steph and I were at dinner. We went out to a restaurant for Jack's um, preschool graduation, end of school day. And uh, our, our typical rule is, like, we're about to pay money for this. Let's put our phones away. Um, but I felt so compelled in this moment to text Kyle Leek and say, like, hey, when's, when's the baby due? Like, what's going on? And so, like, I said, hey, I know we usually don't do it. We do a no-phone thing. But, like, I want to text him right now. I text Kyle, and Kyle said, I was just walking across the room to text you the baby was born last night. The
1: hospital room. At,
0: like, I'm in the hospital room. Like, and... Um, and and so I, I think there's a value to. And early, can I confess earlier in the day I said to Holden why don't you reach out to him, because I thought like I need to fade away and Kyle and Holden need to be friends. So. <laughs> um,
1: now you know the behind the scenes of what happens in our house. Yes,
0: right. And um, but I'm so glad I did. And um, and so like there's also
1: welcome Carter James.
0: Yeah, welcome Carter James who we're gonna bat. Yeah. 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 Wiggle it up. Yeah. So.
1: So yeah, I think just, just that, that obedience to what the Father's asking you to do, which is what we're always saying, right? What is God, how's God getting my attention and what am I going to do about it? And the simplest thing is, who is he calling me to pay attention to today? And, and how am I going to do that and following through?
0: Yeah. What we want to do this morning, um, by the end of the morning, we're just going to commission you in this, right? Like we're going com- to commission you to be something that you already are, which is a spiritual family, but we're going to be—we're going to commission you to be a spiritual family uh, in our absence, and and even to be a spiritual family when you're under the care of another spiritual mother and father. Um, but Steph is going to kind of lead us to specifically respond to this, and then we'll go to communion, and then we'll do that—that that commissioning. So.
1: So, um, again, we want to we be so concrete, I think especially in times of transition when life feels overwhelming and there's so many different things happening, it's really easy to have good intentions, and again, I'm so speaking this for myself right now, um, and so what I want us to do during response time today is to, to ask the Father, like, what are you asking me to do this summer, and so maybe it's like what family should we be trying to get together with or individuals should I be trying to get together with for a meal this summer? Or maybe it's, yes, I want to commit to asking those three questions and and acting on them every morning. Or maybe it's like, I need to um, engage more deeply in my personal or private connection with God and I'm gonna do that through prayer or through um, Bible reading or through worship music or an app. So we're gonna just take this time And um, I just want you to kind of think about what ways um, is the Father highlighting for you and to at least come up with one concrete thing you'd like to do in these next six weeks. And if there's, you know, two, that's great as well. So let's just take this time and, um, and ask the Father to speak to us.